Hello and welcome to the channel your parents, the PTA and the Wokies don't want you to hear. The Hedius Blog. Today, Michaela Peterson explains why you're failing to attract anyone. Let's get into it. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. Rated person. Okay, so I'm probably more on the nice spectrum than the authentic integrated person. Okay. So I'm fairly I'm fairly disagreeable, but I think being sick as a kid and trying to avoid being depressed and trying to avoid stress, like just stressful situations, I'll do things like try and manage situations. So I, I can see where you're coming from. How do you know? Like, isn't there a isn't there part of okay, let me just give you an example. Let me try and word this properly. If you're in a situation where you're trying to take care of a family member, doesn't it? She's telling on herself. It sometimes benefit to be the nice person. Okay. Or is that just always not a good thing to do? He's so when Doctor Glover talks about being a nice guy, he doesn't mean being nice. He means being the person that bends over backwards for everyone. The person that has no frame. The person that just does what other people want without any expectation of return because there's you know guilt wrapped up in it like isn't there some point where you kind of need those kind of people yeah that's a good question and and you found yourself in that place in life i have as well probably we all do it sometime here's yeah. the perspective of that is that i don't use the word codependency in my book and, and i did that on purpose mainly because when i wrote the book uh, 20 something, 25 years ago, the term codependency was primarily only used with women and with like family members of alcoholics. And um, and so I wanted to talk about the, the dynamic of this giving to get or covert contracts, as I call it, without people getting a predetermined idea of what code, you know, yeah. projecting their own pre, pre, pre idea of codependency. So. The, the nice guys I talk about, it operates, like I said, from what I call covert contracts. Is They're if-then propositions. So, guys, here's the idea of a covert contract, okay? And this is, a lot of guys get into this. If I do nice things for you, I'll get laid. That's the nice guy covert contract, you know, where, like, guys get into, um, you know, they, they, they're like, let's just be friends by a girl. And they assume that if they, you know, I, I'm going to tax you around, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to give you boyfriend behaviors. And they expect that if they give boyfriend behaviors, they'll receive girlfriend behaviors in return. That's a covert contract. But because the relationship hasn't been established, like friends with benefits or whatever, the girl just accepts the behaviors without giving anything in return. And that um, expectation of the guy to eventually receive something in return is a covert contract. All right, shitting time. Hit the like, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, Tom M, and Bobby. Shoutouts to you, most recent Patreon supporter. You can buy my books at bit.ly slash books. Shoutouts to Curry Kid, most recent purchaser of Strategist Guide to Seduction. Thank you. My Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash the Blog. 
And, uh, of course, if you want to support me on the podcast, just uh, go down and click the support the show link. All right. Uh, that's the shilling done. Let's continue. And there's three primary covert contracts of nice guy syndrome. This would be true for guys or girls. One is that if I'm a good person, then I'll be liked and loved. Uh, yeah. For most yeah. men, that also manifests. And the women that I desire to, ha- to have sex with will want to have sex with me. If I'm a good guy, if I'm a nice they'll, they'll want to be with me. Second covert contract is that if I meet everybody else's needs without them having to ask, then they will meet my needs without me having to ask. Now, as you can imagine, that that's not a very functional way of of relating to other people. That's right. Third covert contract of nice guy syndrome is if I do everything right, then I'll have a smooth, problem-free life. (laughs) If only that were true. If I do everything right, then I'll have a smooth, problem-free life. No. Life is defined by problems. And the concept of doing things right is also a joke because... Truth be told, right is subjective. So if you're doing something right according to one person, that doesn't mean you're doing things right according to every person. So it's it's BS, obviously. All right, let's continue. And this is kind of a... a That's what gets me, I think. Yeah, I do too. I fall, hey, hey, I did everything right. How come you're upset at me? You know, you, 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 should, you should do nothing but make my life easy and praise me and appreciate right. me. I'm the same way. Exactly. So... But it's a very immature, Peter Panish, oh, if I get everything right, everything in my life will work well. But a couple of problems with that is nobody ever gets everything right. That's we're right. human. We're, 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 we're flawed. You know, we're imperfect. And the other part of that is we don't live in a smooth, problem-free, perfect exactly. world. We live in a- uh, Well, I mean, Buddhism, right? Life is suffering. And there's a Hebrew expression as well that I really like. Don't wish for a lighter load work for broader shoulders. So, I mean, life is not going to get easier. You need to get harder, right? You need to be the kind of man that is going to be able to hold down the fort. And if you're not, then, I mean, life will just pass you by, right? The world has no space for weak men. So, you got to be the strong man or be thrown aside. In a chaotic world. And, and accepting that the world is chaotic is one step towards maturity. Right. Because then we quit trying to manage the chaos. Um, and so going back to your question, then, if you are not operating from covert contracts, if you're not giving to get, and in the way I often put it, if you're not giving from an empty bucket, where most codependents, nice guys, nice girls are, because we're not good at making our own needs a priority. Our bucket's empty. We give to others, hoping that okay. they will then give back, which means that our- you're effectively in debt at that point. So let's quote Rolo Tomasi here because he's, he's relevant. Mental point of origin. I am the top. I am the most important. My needs come first. Then, when my needs are met from a place of abundance, I can then give. So, personally, I give with no expectation of return. I work to make my own life better, and you don't need to give me anything. So, 
our bucket doesn't usually get filled. And we often have a lot of guilt around taking good care of ourselves or meeting our own needs or making ourselves yep. a priority. When when I tell nice guys, uh, you need to make yourself your number one priority yep. in life, yep. they get a deer in the headlight looks. Oh, no, that'll make me a bad person. Yeah. And this is the thing. 2023 brainwashes men. You are not the most important. You are to be subservient to other people and their goals. Your goals, what you want out of life, that's not important. Never care about yourself. Never pay attention to what what it is that you want to do. Because you're a bad, bad person if you do that. And obviously, if you are brainwashed by this idea, then guess what? You become a weak little beta male that pulls the cart for other people. And then guess what? Well, not only do you not get what you want and destroy yourself, but you destroy your future family's happiness, you destroy your future wife's happiness, your future kid's happiness, because you, at that point, are not the king. You are not the absolute monarch of your life. Who is? Whoever is puppeting you. So don't let yourself fall into the trap of listening to the concept that you are not the most important thing in your life. That is, how would I explain this? You are the cake. She is the cherry. If you think for a second that she's more important than you are, well, it's done. But again, you are the one. You are the cake. Cakes are delicious without cherries. It's a very good uh, analogy there. All right, let's continue. That'll make me like my father or all those jerks yeah, I've heard yeah. women complain about. But yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really funny. But women only sleep with the jerks they complain about. Actually, what I think is, is more true than not is women only get into love-hate relationships. They both love and hate their significant other. And if you look at every single successful relationship, you'll see that the wife loves and hates her man simultaneously. I don't mean he, he hits her or anything. I mean, he's the kind of guy that is going to do things that she doesn't like, and she's going to not like them, but she still loves the man and still goes with it. You see what I'm saying? All right, let's continue. But no, the uh, true sign of maturity, in fact, I think the number one characteristics of a mature adult is a person who takes full responsibility for both their actions and their needs and their wants. Yep, yep. Now, we can't get all of our needs and wants met by ourselves. Now, we can get a good start at it. Uh, we can get up and drink water and do some exercise and do some meditation. We can do a lot of things to nurture ourselves. But we need a lot of people around us. We need a posse. Yes. I call these cooperative reciprocal relationships. Well, here's the thing. Humans are social creatures, so you can't possibly succeed in life by yourself with no network, with no people helping you, talking to nobody. Obviously, right? Because life is about human interaction, right? <laughs> I mean, every successful business has something to do with this human interaction. So there it is. Let's continue. We need a lot of both friends, professionals, practices, different things that fill our bucket. From there, we can give from the overflow and we can we can be generous and we can bless other people's lives and we can give to them what they need to receive, not what we need to give right. out of our covert contract coming from a place of emptiness. So to come back to your question, if you are taking good care of you, which is essential if you're yep, going to give yep. to anybody else, if you're 
Okay, so let me explain the principle of being a man, okay? A man must overproduce, okay? He must overproduce resources. So what I mean is, step one is produce enough for you to live a very nice existence uh, and, and maintain. Then overproduce. And why are we overproducing? Well, because you as a man are the provider. So you're providing for yourself first as priority one. But then for your dependents, your wife, your children, and eventually your parents will be in need as well. The point is we are overproducing for the benefit of the tribe, right? So that's the principle. But if we aren't even producing enough for ourselves, how can we possibly then be the provider that the community needs? That's the thing. And when I say produce more than you need for yourself, I don't just mean money and resources. I mean charisma. I mean um, physical fitness. You need to produce more than you need for yourself. So, so when you're overproducing this physical fitness, what does it mean? Well, it means you're able to defend yourself and your family should it be necessary. You see the idea? All right, let's continue. You're filling your own bucket in a, in a consistent way. That makes you feel loved and lovable. And then you can give from the overflow with no strings attached. Yep, no that's right. Contracts. You and give with no expectation of return. I agree. And give to people what they most need to receive, not what you most need to give. Right, to right, get right, right. Your covert contracts met. So, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think I heard you mention you have a young child. Um, yes. Okay. Scarlett, she's she's almost four. Okay. So here's an example of, of what I call two levels of differentiation. First level of differentiation is where you ask yourself, what, what feels right to me? What do I want? What, is, what do I need? What's important to me? And then you take action to, to do that. And again, you do it even when you experience the resistance of neurotic guilt or change back from the people around you. Right. Now, there's a second level of differentiation that can only occur after you've achieved first level differentiation. And then you can also ask what is in the best interest of the people I love? What is in the best interest of the planet that I live on? Right. Right. So this is like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like first you're thinking about air. And if you have air, then you can think about water. And if you, if you have air and water, then you can think about food. And then if you have air, water, and food, then you can think about relationships. And if you have the relationship, then you can think about children and so on and so on and so on. The hierarchy builds up. And then eventually, when you have everything, then you can think about self-actualization, which is how can I become the greatest version of myself, right? Similarly here, right? Once you have met your own needs, then, okay, what is in my girl's best interest? What is in my children's best interest? What is in my family's best interest? What is in my business's best interest? And so on, you see? Self first, then from a place of um, overproduction, then. All right, let's continue. And, and now from that place, you might actually make some sacrifices. You might actually put yourself second in order to put somebody you love first that needs to be, especially a child or uh, an ill parent. My, my mother's 86 and had a stroke 
coming up on three years ago. She lives alone, can still drive, Terrible. but she's fairly disabled physically. And, you know, I, I live in Mexico. She lives in Seattle. I get up there at least every other month. And people go, oh, you go up to see your mom a lot. They go, yeah, I go up because she lives alone. You know, she she doesn't have a lot of social connections. She can't get out a lot. Um, I, I go up, make sure, you know, it's her during COVID, you know, her pantry is well stocked and, and that she doesn't have to do a Costco run by herself. And Admirable. So I can take care of my mother in differentiated ways. Now, as a child, I tried to take care of her in codependent ways because I thought my my uh, my ability to thrive and survive depended on me sacrificing me to take care of her. I'm now a differentiated adult and I can make sacrifices or I can go out of my way to do things for her. Now with your, with your daughter, I remember I, my son's 36. When, when, the, when they're small, you think they're never going to grow up, but you know, I've, I've got a 14 year old granddaughter now, so they do grow up pretty quickly. And I remember, you know, when he, he was a baby that, um, at times, you know, he'd, he'd be up all night and, you know, my, my then wife would come in and say, I can't take it anymore. I can't handle yeah. it. You've got to go be with them. And at that time I was a minister. And so like, you know, if it's a Saturday night, I had to get up and preach Sunday morning and, you know, I, and I'm thinking, Oh, I, I don't want to go be with a screaming baby. I need my sleep. I got to be good in the morning. And, but you know what? I got up because it was in the best interest of my, my then wife to let her not be with a screaming baby when she was at her wit's ends. And yes, ag again, the idea is you as the man are the provider, right? And sometimes these sacrifices need to be made. And that's just how it is. Ultimately, a man's life is about sacrifice, right? But... You are only to sacrifice for those that are worth sacrificing for. And that's the point that Dr. Glover is trying to get at here. We don't just sacrifice for anybody. Anybody who hasn't earned it. No, no. We sacrifice for the people that have earned it. This is why you don't go on $200 dinner dates with a girl you've never met before. It's idiotic. Why would you ever sacrifice for somebody that hasn't earned your sacrifice? Because it is going out of your way. It's pulling from your own value to do such a thing. It's doing a favor for a person that hasn't earned a favor. This is the idea. We are first to think about our own best interest and then, right, from that place, now, of course, helping your wife with your own children doesn't only help her, it actually does also help you. Because your children are the extension of you, they are your biological legacy. Helping them helps you by furthering your DNA. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with such sacrifices. But there are many things wrong with doing things for people that have not earned it. People that are disrespectful, people that are rude, people that are entitled, people that believe that they just deserve your time, attention, affection, resources for nothing. These people don't deserve an iota of your time. And that's the thing. It's about being discerning with the things that you have. Because you don't have infinite resources. You don't have infinite time. You don't have infinite attention. And so it's about being intelligent with how you use them. All right, let's continue. And for me to go be with my son, 
And, you know, believe it or not, some of my fondest memories are of those years when he was a baby, be in the rocking chair. I'd be holding him in my arms, rocking, talking to him, singing to him. And I could give to him because I was already taking good care of me. Right. And we can make those exactly. sacrifices to give to others right. if we're not all sacrificing ourselves. Exactly. So fill our own bucket. Don't compromise yourself for another person. I don't mean don't sacrifice. Sacrifice is part of life. And there will be moments when you have to sacrifice. But we are not out here sacrificing for people that have not earned it. All right, let's continue. And then give from the overflow. And at times, right. we do put ourselves second to make somebody else who needs our attention number one. Okay, that totally makes sense. So you can end up doing, you can end up, well, you end up being a better person, right? If you're just giving and it's making you resentful and angry and isolated, then you're not a nice person, really. You just think yeah. you're a nice person, right? You just do, yeah. and, and that's actually, that's a, that's a good point because that's the way, because like people will say, well, how do I know if I'm a nice guy? How do I know if I'm yeah. using covert contracts? The way you usually know it is that you feel resentful and victimized. Right. You feel like, why are they not doing what I want when I've done everything right? Well, it's because you gave with expectation of return. When you give, there should be no expectation of return. Ultimately, first step is you building up you and then giving from the excess. I love, I love the analogy, Robert. Great job. You're not being appreciated enough. You're not getting back as much as you give. You're not being noticed. You're not being thanked. You're, and if, you, if you're kind of ruminating about those things and feeling bitter and resentful, and if that starts manifesting in either passive-aggressive behavior, which is, I, I, I actually did learn what passive-aggressiveness was. You know, it's when you express your anger in indirect kind of ways, right. like instead of saying, I'm mad at you. Like how, how women do. Or I'd like you to do this, or I'd like you to stop. We 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 poke at them, we jab at them, yep. we, we we embarrass them in public, we yep. shut down, we don't follow through on our commitments, whatever. Those are passive aggressive behaviors. Or nice guys often can go into what I call a victim puke, where the stuff just builds up, builds up, builds up until boom. It you know, everything we've ever rehearsed in our head that we wanted to say because we're so resentful, Ooh, yeah, just comes out. And and I remember um when I was doing most of my work and when I wrote No More Mr. Nice Guy, I was in my second marriage. And uh, I mean, I had to learn a lot. I, I had to grow up a lot. And I remember I'd have one of these victim pukes with, with my then second wife. And um, she, she, you know, when it was all was said and done, she said, like, how long has this been bothering you? I, I'd go, mm, I don't know, six months, maybe. And she go, it never crossed your mind to say something about it. And I go, no, not really. And really, it hadn't. It never crossed my mind that maybe I could say, hey, this bothers me. Or, hey, can you do this different? Or, hey, can you stop doing that? Or, hey, can we talk about this? It just built and built and built. That's a pretty clear sign that you're a nice girl or a nice guy. So if you let constant bad behavior build up because you're too afraid to say something. But here's the thing. You're going to have to deal with this behavior, whether you say something now or later. It's better to nip it in the bud than to experience the worst symptoms of it later. Ultimately, that's the idea. 
that all these things you do for other people actually start taking a toll. They start building up in terms of resentments and perhaps rage and frustrations, and, and they get manifest in those passive aggressive ways or in the occasional victim puke. Okay. So say somebody's listening to this and is realizing that they exhibit some of these traits of a overly nice person. What are the first steps in figuring out how to, I guess, start expressing healthy emotion? Okay. That's a good question. And I'll tell you how I started. And and I found that this seems to be a, a pretty good starting place. And I, I mentioned that I went to a 12 step group and I, I didn't know where else to go, but my wife was telling me you're a sex addict. And so I thought, well, that's a red flag. I don't think so. I'm not having very much sex. I'm not sure how you fall. But so I went to this 12-step group for sex addiction, and it was all men. And, and it met like at 6 a.m. in the morning. And I, I was in my early 30s at the time, and I went, and I did quickly find out I wasn't a sex addict. But for the first time in my life, I had a safe place to just open up and reveal me, to talk about me, both my hurts, my pains, anything that I repressed, behaviors I'd never told anybody about, thoughts and impulses I never told anybody mm. about. And I actually got excited about getting up once a week, you know, to be at this meeting at 6 a.m. in the morning to 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 just reveal me and talk about me. And soon sounds like therapy. Uh, at right at that same time, I also got with a therapist that I started working with maybe six months or so later. I got with into a men's group that I was in for four or five years. And I'm still today in a men's program. I've been in for three years. And the number one place to start is go find a safe person or a safe place and start revealing you. Now, this does a few things. One, it lets you start releasing that internalized unconscious toxic shame. That that core belief that I'm I'm not okay I'm not good enough. Now I found uh, just distinguish I found. I don't know about you guys, but when I started achieving things and accomplishing things, I stopped feeling any sort of shame because I know that I'm capable of achieving the things in my mind that I want to create. So again, that's that's my that's my perspective on this. I don't know if you need therapy to to get rid of your shame. I, I think actually you can replace shame with accomplishment. But anyway, that's that's my perspective on that. Perhaps some people need that and some people need the other thing. All right. Shilling time. It's the end of the video. Let's hit the like, hit the sub, hit all for notifications, drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, Tom M, and Bobby. Shout out to you, most recent Patreon subscriber. Thank you. Go buy my books at bit.ly slash Helios Books. Shoutouts to Curry Kid, most recent purchaser of Strategist Guide to Seduction. Really do appreciate it. My Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Support me on the podcast by clicking the description link. Scroll down to support the show. Share this video. Thank you so much for listening, especially if you listen to the end. I really do appreciate it. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.